Welcome to Northgate Christian Fellowship's weekly message series for 2008. Now here is Pastor Scott Bloyer. So as we continue in our series about fear, and as we talk about being hurt, you know, I had to really think about this. I thought about uh, the movie clip in Jaws, and in the, yeah, that's real close, right? Fear of being hurt, Jaws. That's like being eaten by hurt. I don't know, um, but it was one of those things where I was thinking in the, in the movie Jaws, there's a scene where the guys are sitting around the table and they're comparing scars. You know, you got the one guy, he's like, I got this, you know, skateboarding. And the other guy's like, I got this one. This is from a thresher shark. And this other guy's like, look, tooth, this is from a bar fight when I was, you know, St. Patty's Day, 1912. You know, all these kind of things. And they're talking. And eventually, Richard Dreyfus grabs his shirt and he opens it up. And he goes, Marianne Moffat, fifth grade, she broke my heart, right? <laughs> and I thought it was great. See, it's funny, but you know, it's true. All these scars, we talk about all these physical scars, but the ones that hurt the most are the relational ones. They really get to you. They, they, they do the, I, I believe they do the more damage. You know, and we, we don't show those scars, at least outright, out, outside of us, but we do in the way we treat people, in the way we have relationships, in the way we trust. You know, those are the ways that those scars come uh, to, the, to the top. In fact, you know, I was thinking about it. Um, there was one point in time in the ministry I was a part of in Arizona where... Um, I had a, a family call me, and they said, you know what, we think a young man from our church just committed suicide, and we think you need to, you know, go check it out, and so um, our, our church was a larger church, and, and I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't know everybody in our church, so I jumped in my car, and I drove over there, and I get to this, this neighborhood, and the police have the, the street taped off, and you know, they're talking about, well, yeah, we think he's dead, and you know, and so I walked up, I said, you know, uh, I, this may sound weird, but... I'm a pastor from a church down uh, the street, and I heard about this young man, and I wanted to know what the name was, and they started explaining, and I didn't really know who they were, and, and uh, so I, I gave them my card. I said, hey, if there's anything I can do, let me know how I can help. Um, so I got my car, and I went home. And by the time I walked through the front door, my cell phone started ringing. So I, I answered it, and they, it was one of the officers. He says, I want you to know um, the family would like you to come and meet with them at the police station. I was like, well, I don't know this family. They said, well, they don't go to church. And they, they, don't, you know, they don't know what to do because they have to tell their eighth grade son that their senior son just committed suicide. And they want you to be with them. And I looked at my wife and I went, <laughs> I said, I, 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 uh, okay, yeah, I'll be there. I hung up the phone and I went, what the heck am I going to do? What? I turned to Michelle. I said, start praying now. I looked at my kids. I said, start praying now. I got on the phone. I called my accountability partner. I said, really, really pray. Because no, these people are experiencing a hurt that I have no idea, that I can't understand, that I can't walk through with. I, I mean, I just can't. I don't know what to do. And I showed up at the police station. And there's the mom and the dad. And, you know, they're both just, well, I mean, let's be honest. They were in shock. Sat down. And I talked with them. I said, how are you doing? She's like, I don't know. I said, okay, that's fine. She said, I'm mad. I said, really, who are you mad at? She goes, I'm mad at God. I said, that's okay. He's got big shoulders. He can handle it. She just kind of looked at me. She was like, I've never heard that before. I said, then someone didn't tell you the truth. Because you got to understand, one of the things that when we walk through our hurt and we deal with our damage, that is when he is the strongest. Because it's not about us. We can't do anything with it. 
I walked through with this family. I was there when they told their younger son. I ended up being part of their family. It was, I mean, let's be honest, it was a God thing. Working through a pain and suffering, I ended up being part. I, I spent the next two weeks with this family. I did their son's funeral. I got to spend a day at the high school he, he attended to um, by doing counseling. They had me a part of the counseling team that went into the school. I mean, God used that moment, that moment of hurt, to, to do something amazing. I, 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 as I was doing his memorial service, I'm sitting there thinking, God, you are incredible. I didn't know this family. I didn't know this boy. But yet I'm sitting here talking to hundreds of his friends from his high school. And at the end of the service, his mom looked at me and she says, you need to tell him about Jesus. And I kind of looked at her and in my mind I'm going, do you know him? Because <laughs> I didn't know. It's amazing what God does with hurt. And it kills me to this day that we're so afraid of it because of what it does to us. And you know what, let's be honest, it hurts, it's damaging, it scars us. But on the far end, we don't know what God can do with that. We don't know. Some of you are sitting here in this room and you've had trouble with relationships, maybe divorce. Maybe you've had an issue where you've been hurt physically, emotionally. You don't know what God's going to do with that. You know, there's a story of a young man in the Old Testament. Same thing happened to him. Same thing. He was hurt to no end. I mean, if you read through the Old Testament, there are times and times again where you have people being hurt and things work out differently. So what I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to walk through this story with me. It's a story of Joseph. You may have heard it if you grew up in church. Maybe you heard the story of his coat of many colors and he had this, you know, he just had a sweet outfit. You know, he's just like, you know, he, he didn't have to go to one of those shows where they taught you how to dress. You know, he's like, he had the coat of many colors. He walked in and said, I'm styling. Okay, you know, it's one of those things. So, but there's more to this story. So if you would, turn with me to Genesis chapter 37. In Genesis chapter 37, it begins the story of Joseph. It starts by uh, going through the place of showing exactly what is going on in his life. What is going on with his family? What is going to happen when it comes to his hurt? So if you look, if you have one of the Bibles that's on the chairs around you, it's on page 38. That's where it starts. If you have your own Bible, go to the very first book of the Bible and go, oh, I'm there. Okay, and turn, turn to chapter 38. Or uh, 37. And it says this um, Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 4. I'm reading from the New Living Translation. And it says, So Jacob settled again in the land of Canaan where his father had lived. This is the history of Jacob's family. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks with his half brothers, the sons of his father's wives. Yeah, her name and then her name. <laughs> I played football, sorry. Um, but Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. You know, does that not a younger brother make, right? I'm going to tell. Right? It comes, so it goes on. It says, now Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day he gave Joseph a special gift, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because of their family's partiality. They couldn't say a kind word to him. Okay, this is the picture. We have all of these boys that are working for their father, and the youngest is dad's favorite. And he's got the special clothes, and he's given the easy jobs, and, and he's just kind of walking. So all these half-brothers are like, if he comes near me, I'm knocking him out. 
I'm going to share the love of Jesus with a lot of force. You know what I mean? And so they've got this going on. So this whole thing is going on. So eventually the, the rage and the, the hurt and the emotions boil to the point where Joseph goes to meet his brothers and they go, you know what? I'm done with this. Let's kill him. Let's kill him. I am sick and tired. You know what? We'll kill him. We'll make it look like an accident. An animal did it. And we'll be done with him. But one brother steps up and he says, no, nah, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can really live with that. Let's, let's throw him in a well. <laughs> I'm like, wow, that was nicer. <laughs> so he throw, they do, you know, they do, go and do this. He shows up, they grab him, they throw him, they take his coat. And while they're there, one of them goes, dude, let's not kill him. Because, you know, like, like the other brother said, this might make us feel guilty. Let's sell him off as a slave. At least we can make some money out of the deal. Now, to me, that sounded like an older brother. Because I'm the oldest of four kids. I have two younger brothers. That's what I'd be thinking. If I'm going to go through this, let's make a little cash off it, right? So they go through this, and they sell him off as a slave. Look at what it says in Genesis 32, uh, 23 through 28. It says... Uh, um, Oh, sorry, Genesis 37, 23 through 28. So when Joseph arrived, they pulled off his robe, threw him into the pit. This pit was normally used to store water, but it was empty at this time. Then just as they were sitting down to eat, they noticed a caravan of camels in the distance coming towards them as a group of Ishmaelites, trading, uh, traders, taking spices, balm, and myrrh from Gilead to Egypt. Egypt. Judas said to others, what can we gain by killing our brother? Here we go. That would just give us a guilty conscience. So let's Joseph to these Ishmaelite Hooked on phonics, did me good. Okay, Ishmaelite traders, let's not be responsible for his death. After all, he is our brother. And his brothers agreed. So when the traders came by, they pulled Joseph out of the pit and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. And the Ishmaelite traders took him along to Egypt. Okay, so first picture we have, Joseph gets hurt by his family. Now I know each and every one of you in this room could tell a story about how someone in your family has hurt you. If you can't, praise God. You are lucky and probably few and far between. Because we deal with people. And when we deal with people, there's emotions. And when there's emotions, there's hurt. And when there's hurt, there's baggage and scars. And then with that comes the fear of being hurt again. So Joseph is hurt by his family. Next thing we see is Joseph is hurt while he's at work. He's at hurt while he's at work. Genesis chapter 39 verses 11 through 15. One day, however, no one else was around when he was doing his work inside the house. See, he's been sold into slavery. He's in Egypt now. He's working for a man named Potiphar. And it says, uh, inside the house, he was doing his work. She came and grabbed him by the shirt. Now, I want you to understand, this is the boss's wife. This is the boss's wife. Comes and grabs him by the shirt, demanding, sleep with me. Let's stop right there. Okay? We know that he was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery. It says in there that he was a good-looking guy. He is now working for someone. The boss's wife says, hey, come on, big boy, right? <laughs> Sleep with me. What does he do? He says, no. Let's know that this is an act of God right there. Okay, we're talking about a 17-year-old boy. I, you know, I remember what I was like in high school. Okay, it, it was a long time ago, but I remember... And it says, you know, sleep with me. Joseph tore himself away. But as he did, his shirt came off. She was left holding it as he ran from the house. When she, she saw that she had, had, she had his shirt and that he had fled, she began screaming. 
Soon all the men around the place came running. My husband has brought this Hebrew slave in here to insult us, she sobbed. He tried to rape me, but I screamed. When he heard my loud cries, he ran and left his shirt behind with me. Okay, he was hurt at work. Now, he was hurt doing the right thing at work. Joseph ran away. Joseph didn't do what most people would expect him to do, especially if you've watched daytime soap operas. Days of our lives, <laughs> right? He, he ran away, but he was still hurt by it. In fact, it says that Potiphar, his boss, got so angry that he grabbed him and threw him in jail. But if you go on and read in there, it says that Potiphar was also in charge of the jail he was in. And Potiphar put Joseph in charge of the jail. Now, it caused me to think, did Potiphar really believe what his wife said? Because Joseph was hurt by his work. Joseph still ended up in jail. He was doing the right thing. I I know there are many of us that will say, well, I was doing the right thing and I still got hurt. So it's God's fault. Uh, We got to walk through that. We got to look at that. He may be leading us that way. You may have not come to the end of the road yet to find out what God's doing with it. You know, I love the statement. It's really easy to get mad at God in the midst of the storm because you can't see the sun. And I think sometimes we get mad in the midst of the storm because we can't see the S-O-N, not the S-U-N. Because our eyes have gone off the sun and gone on to the problem, gone on to the storm. See, Joseph still didn't do that. Still didn't do that. He got hurt by his family. He got hurt by his work. Next, he got hurt by some friends. Now, I, I use this word friends loosely because Joseph was thrown into jail, right? He was in charge of jail, and while he was in jail, he met some guys, okay? I don't know if you can really have buddies in jail. You know, if this is where you can say, hey, we're friends, all right, don't shank me. You know, it's a, you know, one of those things, but he has these guys he meets in Genesis 40, chapter 20, or verses 20 through 41, 1, and it says, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later. Now, you got to understand, these two guys were thrown in, they both worked for Pharaoh, Okay? They both had dreams. They both had these dreams that influenced their life. One was the cupbearer, one was the baker. Joseph, being a man of God, and if you read through this, this whole story, it always says, and God was with him. Okay? And God was with him. And so he's in here, and they say, we have these dreams, and Joseph goes, hey, you know, tell them to me, God will open my eyes to the truth about them. Notice, if you read through it, notice that he always says, God will. He doesn't say, hey, I, dude, I am like, Dion Warwick, I know how to, fear. oh, I'm sorry, just kidding. You know, it's not, he doesn't say that. He doesn't say, I read the cards, I, do, I look at the stars. He doesn't say that. What does he say? You know what, I listen to the man who made the stars, and he's going to tell me. So he goes on, and he says, okay, I'll tell you these dreams. Now, this is where it comes to it. It says, Pharaoh's birthday came three days later, and he gave a banquet for all his officials and his household staff. He sent for his chief cupbearer cuff and chief baker, and they, brought him, uh, and they were brought to him from the prison, Okay. That's where they were at with Joseph. He then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position, which Dave, or Joseph shared in the dream. Joseph said, you're going to get your job back. Okay? Then he sentenced the chief baker to be impaled on a pole. Joseph told him that part too. So I don't know if this guy was still his friend after Joseph said, you know, by the way, in my dream, or, or in the dream that you had, uh, I want you to know you die. <laughs> Do you think they were still friends after that? Oh, yeah, buddy. Okay, Isn't it amazing how sometimes in relationships 
with friendships, if we say something that's even truthful, it still causes damage. You know, and we may not even be intending for it to be damage. I mean, I'm still learning. I've been married 16 years. There are days that I go, what? What did I do? What did I say, right? Because I'm learning. I, I'm, if you're around me long enough, I'm not very tactful. I'm not. I mean, if it's like someone says something, they go, well, this person did this. I'll go, that's stupid. And my wife's like, you know, you could say that nicer. And I'm like, but they're stupid. When it, oh, I'm sorry to hear that. Boy, that was a bad decision. They were stupid. You know, it's just one of those things that I, you know, and so I have to learn that because sometimes in, certain people just take it wrong and I don't mean it to be mean and, and, and I have girls in my house. And I'm learning, right? They'll come, come in and how's this look? Oh, I don't know if I'd wear that. <laughs> but I like it. Oh, it looks great. You know, it's just, you know what I'm saying? It's just walking through this. So Joseph uh, tells his friends, okay, you're going to get your job. You're not. In fact, you're going to die. And, you know, so we have to walk through this as we're talking about truth and as we're talking about um, hurting people. Joseph sometimes still, when he told the truth, knew that hurt had to come through it. And so he says, this is what's going to happen. So the baker gets impaled. And just as Joseph had predicted Pharaoh's cupbearer, however, pro- promptly forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. You notice that? He got hurt by his friends. Do you feel like sometimes your friends forget about you? That they really don't care? That you're more of kind of a convenience when they need something from you? I know I do sometimes. It's part of being in relationships. Part of dealing with people. What I, what I want you to really notice that is in verse 40, or chapter 41, verse 1, it says, two years later, two years later, Pharaoh dreamed that he was standing on the bank of the Nile River. That's all of a sudden, two years later, that's when the chief cupbearer goes, oh, I remember this guy. Think about it. Joseph, after sharing these dreams with these guys, two years later, is remembered. God has his own time schedule. It's not our time schedule. I'll be honest with you, there are times in my life that I go, God, could we work a little quicker? Can we move it along? <laughs> I've got things to do, right? I talked to my mom this last week, and I asked her a question. I had, to, I had to ask her a question. I said, how was it parenting three boys and one girl? And she was so encouraging to me. She goes, I would take the three boys over the one girl any day. <laughs> and I went, I have two daughters. And her comment was, I'll pray for you. <laughs> but as we were talking about it, she says, you know what? I always knew God was at work in your hearts. She goes, even when you were off doing dumb, stupid things and you hurt me, I always knew God was at work. See, it's not our time schedule. It's his. And you know what? That's another issue of hurt. So when we talk about being hurt, or the fear of being hurt, or, or dealing with hurt. We've got to understand that God has a plan for our life. God knows the hurt that you're walking through. God knows exactly what is in your heart this morning. And I know there are some of you in here that are dealing with hurt. Okay, let's, let's just scratch that. Every one of us in this room is dealing with hurt. At some point in time or life, it's something going on, and you've allowed that scar tissue to develop that toughening of the skin 
to happen, and, and it's happened around your heart. And it's made your relationships hard. It's made your friendships difficult. See, I know what scars are like. I was in a car accident when I was in high school. I was in a convertible Volkswagen. I was shot out of the back of it, and I slid along the pavement for 150 yards. I was in the burn unit for two weeks. See, I understand scars. I have an elbow that I can't feel anything anymore on, the end, on this end because I've damaged the nerves to the point where I, I don't feel it. I mean, people say, did that hurt? I'm like, what? They're like, you just cracked your elbow. I was like, what? My son likes to walk up and go, you know, and feel that? I'm like, no, you know, it, but the thing is this, the thing is this, we don't want that to happen to our heart where we get to the point where we don't feel anything at all, where the damage is so deep that the nerves don't feel anything. See, and that's the difference between Joseph and us. Joseph didn't allow the scar tissue to build. Joseph was a person that knew what it meant to, be, to forgive and to be forgiven. Joseph knew what to live that life because if you look at Genesis 42, verses 8 and 9, the beginning of 9, he says, and Joseph's brothers didn't recognize him. Okay, Joseph's brothers have come back. They've walked through this life. Joseph um, tells Pharaoh the dreams he had. He said, you know what? You're going to have seven years of great amount of, of water and food and everything's going to be awesome. But then you're going to have seven years of famine and this is all going to be bad. And so the Pharaoh went, whoo, this guy's cool. Put him in charge. So Joseph is now in charge. He's second to Pharaoh. Wait a minute. Let's, let's stop right there. How, how did he get there? His brother sold him into slavery, had someone at work turn their back on him, he was hurt by his friends, but yet this young man becomes second in charge of, at that time, one of the greatest nations. Does that seem right? See, that's what God does. And he brought Joseph to this point, and Joseph is sitting there in charge, and the famine is going on, and who shows up for food? His brother's. From another country, from the country where they show up before Joseph, and they don't recognize Joseph. And so it says this, and it says, Joseph's brothers didn't recognize him, but Joseph recognized them. I bet you he did. I bet you he did. I bet you it wasn't real hard for him to go, <laughs> those little, yeah. Jesus, right? What does it say? And he remembered the dreams he had many years before. See, the dreams that he had many years before was that they were to be bowing down to him. And here they are, standing before him, begging for food, bowing down before him. Now, I know what would happen in the story if I would have been in charge. And it definitely would not have been what we see in the Bible, right? Let's think about it. If you were in charge, the brothers that sold you into slavery, that threatened to kill you, they showed up before you, would you go, oh, come on, guys, <laughs> Let's have lunch, right? I mean, let's be honest. Some of you are going, oh, yeah, I would. <laughs> Liar. Those, that, hard, that damage, but because of Joseph and because of his relationship with God, things were different. So let's, let's apply Joseph's life and some biblical principles to our life. Let's take a look at what it looks like, okay? See, because we have to live, peop we have to live lives of people that are forgiven and are forgiving, because we're going to be hurt. 
It's going to happen. The fear should always be there. Let's, let's be honest. We don't want to be dumb walking into a relationship going, hey, okay, I know if you're going to stab me in the back. It's all good, right? We don't want to walk. But we want to know that in any point in time, we need to be living people uh, a life of being forgiven and forgiving. I read this statement Thursday. Andy Stanley was at, uh, uh, he's a pastor down um, south, and he's in charge of this large, large church, and he was at this leadership conference, and he says this. He says, if you're a leader, you've been hurt. If you're a leader, you've been hurt, but we should never carry with, us, carry with us into the future the hurt from the past. Let me say that again. If you're a leader, you've been hurt, but we should never carry with us into the future the hurt from the past. Joseph is a great representation of that statement. Our lives should be a representation of that statement. So let's take a look at Joseph's own story and compare it to ours, okay? So Joseph then gives back his brothers their money. They show up, they, they want to buy money or buy food, so they buy the food, and so Joseph gives back them their money. He, he, he hides it in the bags full of food. And the brothers take the bags and they leave, and as they're leaving, they open up the bags and one of them goes, there's money in the bag i didn't put it there why is the money there the other brother turns the other one goes i i you know at least in my mind i can see him go "Ooh, you stole you know this whole thing's going on but joseph's the one that gave him the money because if you see what happens when they return in genesis chapter 43 verses 23 the the man that is in charge of joseph's money in charge of joseph's area it says this relax don't worry about it the household manager told him your god the god of your ancestors must have put it there now, uh, let's stop right This guy doesn't even believe in the same God as them. But he says, your God must have put it there. Because we collected your money, all right. Then he released Simon and brought him out to meet them. Okay? Joseph didn't repay the damage that was done to him by doing something mean. He gave them back their money. He could have he kept it. He could have said, oh, I worked for this. What, what, what about the money they, they sold me for? He didn't do that. So how do we do this? How do we compare it to our life? You know what? God gives you eternal life. And let's be honest. God could easily say, you've hurt me. Jesus easily could say, you know what the damage you've done to my life? Because of what, who you are and what you've done? Do you know the pain that I've suffered? Jesus could say that easily. But God says, no, you know what, I'm going to give you eternal life. In fact, in Matthew 19, 29, it says, And everyone who has given up houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or property for my sake will receive a hundred times as much in return. And they will have eternal life. That's a relationship with him. Next thing is this with, with Joseph. Instead of throwing his brothers out on his ear and getting rid of them, what does he do? Joseph throws them a party. Joseph throws them a party. In verses 32 through 34 in chapter 43, it says, Joseph ate by himself and his brothers were served at the separate table. The Egyptians sat at their own table because Egyptians despised Hebrews and refused to eat with them. Eat, eat, eat with them. Eat with them. <laughs> Whew. Jo- Man, that was a bummer. Joseph told each of his brothers where to sit. And notice what it says. And to their amazement, he seated them in the order of their ages. From oldest to youngest, their food was served to them from Joseph's own table. He gave them the largest serving to Benjamin. 
five times as much as to any of the others. So they all feasted and drank freely with them. See, again, we have a, a, a man who has been hurt, who has been damaged through years, has been in jail, been left behind. He could have said, you got here, take your corn, go. I don't want to see. What? He has a party for him. He fe- and he feeds them from his own table. Notice what it said was Egyptians and Hebrews didn't eat together. But yet this Egyptian leader, Joseph, is feeding his brothers. Benjamin is the youngest. Benjamin is the only one of the brothers that's his blood brother. See, remember, all the other ones are half-brothers. Benjamin is his real brother from the same mother. And it says they fed him more. So how can we compare that with us? God celebrates his relationship with you. God celebrates. In fact, in the, in, in the New Testament, in Luke 15, 32, in the prodigal son, which is a picture of you and I walking away and coming back, it says, we had to, we had to celebrate this happy day. For your brother was dead and he has come back to life. He was lost, but he is now found. You know, God celebrates our relationship with him. God loves us so much that he sent his son to die for us. I mean, God thinks way different than us. He, he didn't say, you know what? You mess with me, you mess with the bull, you get the horns, right? That was a statement I heard growing up with my dad. You mess with the bull, you get the horns, son. You know what I mean? God didn't do that. He said, I love you. Let's celebrate. You've come back. How many of you in this room are waiting for that celebration of someone in your family? Maybe it's your own. Maybe you're just sitting here going, you know what, I've been hurt. I don't know. I don't know what. But God celebrates your relationship with him. God, Joseph gave them his identity. Genesis chapter 45, uh, verse 9 through 11, it says, Hurry, return to my father and tell him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me master over all the land of Egypt. Come down to me right away. You will live in the land of Goshen so you can be near me. Have your children, your grandchildren, your flocks, your herds, and all that you have. I will take care of you there. For there's still five years of famine. Otherwise, you and your household will come to utter poverty. See, Joseph says, you know what? He finally reveals himself to his brothers. He says, it's me, Joseph. And if you read through the story, Joseph's brothers go, huh? (laughs) It's me, Joseph. (laughs) Don't hurt us, right? In fact, they bow down. They're like, oh, have mercy on us. Because they know Joseph could go, kill him. But he doesn't. In fact, it says he weeps. He wails so loud that all the servants hear him and they go to the the Pharaoh and they go, something's up with Joseph because he's turning it loose in the other room. And we're afraid, you know, we're afraid what's going on in there. Joseph gave him his identity. He gave him his place. You know what? God calls you family. God calls you family. John 1, uh, John 1, verse 12 says, But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave, him, gave them the right to be children of God. See, it's, that's, this, this is that difference in hurt. It's that difference than what we would normally do. See, a forgiving or forgiven person gives. doesn't take. Joseph, Joseph gave him uh, his love. Genesis 45, verses 14 through 15, it actually uh, says that weeping with joy, he embraced Benjamin, and Benjamin also began to weep. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And then they began talking freely with him. I want you to notice that last part of that verse. It says, and they began talking freely with him. When you are a forgiven person, when you're living a forgiven life, you have this load lifted. You have this freedom you now have. Notice that they start talking freely. They're not afraid. They're not hurt. And they're giving of what's going on in their life. 
I think there are some of us in this room that don't speak freely because we're afraid of being hurt, being judged, being damaged more. But you know what? God calls us to something different. God called us and he showed us his love. Romans 5.8, it says, but God showed us his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. See, I have to walk through this and I have to think, if Joseph is a picture of someone who has been forgiven and is being forgiving, then where are we at in this picture? What are we doing? How are we living it? See, the question for you to walk away with this week is this. To live beyond the hurt, I am I living an accepted life of forgiveness and am I living a forgiving life? To live beyond the hurt, have I accepted forgiveness and am I living a forgiving life? Because I believe that the person that deals the most with being forgiven and forgiving is the person that has to forgive themselves. That has to accept Christ's forgiveness. Let me put this to you another way, okay? I know each and every one of us has been hurt and we hurt others. And to start living a life where you feel forgiven, you have to be forgiven. And God is the only one that can do that. God is the only one. Yes, we want to be forgiven by those people that we've hurt. And do we want to go and ask them for forgiveness? You bet. Is that easy? No way. But when you live a life that's been forgiven by Christ and by God, then forgiving is a lot easier. I found this verse this morning while I was uh, doing my studies. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 10 and 11 says, When you forgive this man... I forgive him. And when I forgive him for whatever it is to be forgiven, I do so with Christ's authority for your benefit so that Satan will not outsmart us. For we are very familiar with his evil schemes. See, I want you to understand that when you don't forgive, then you have given the one that wants to mess with us the most a foothold. I've I've walked through this with people that have struggled with forgiveness and their hearts are hardened it's that scar tissue is built up we got to be able to tear that away get down to some new skin yeah sometimes it hurts and it makes it fresh but you got to start there see god gave his son for you god sent his son to die on the cross for you so that you could be forgiven are you forgiving those around you God created you to have a relationship with him. But it's our sins, those things that we've done wrong, that's what separates us from him. And those sins, you know what? They can't be taken away by good deeds. You cannot work your way into heaven. You cannot go to church enough. Well, that's a good start. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You cannot go to church enough. You can't give enough money. None of those things. See, what it is is when God, because he loves us and because he wants to forgive us, sent his son Jesus 2,000 years ago, lived the perfect life, died on the cross, paying the price for our sins, a painful death, being hurt, and everyone who trusts in Jesus Christ and him alone can have eternal life. That means you will spend forever and ever and ever and ever and ever in heaven with God. Forgiven. 
Now I'm going to ask you the question. I, I can't take that no more. Are you able to speak freely right now because you're forgiven? Are you able to speak freely now because you're forgiven? Because the really honest part is I look around and I see faces that are still hurting. That haven't accepted forgiveness. Where is your heart? Where's the scar tissue at? How, how much damage has been done that you can just sit there and go, no more, I don't trust anybody. God loves you. And he wants to have a relationship with you. I'm gonna ask you all to close your eyes, bow your head. Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust that you'll join us again soon for another uplifting message from Northgate Christian Fellowship located in Venetia, California.